0: Everybody doing good. Yes. Hey Malbus, let's give a big shout out to the Mobile guys. Hey guys, welcome. <laughs> Glad to have you with us. And listen, at the Malbus campus, uh, not only is the overflow room overflowing, but we've got a group of people in the commons. Can we give a shout out to all those people sitting in the commons? Yeah. <laughs> Someone said to me as I was coming in, Pastor, we need a new worship center at Malbus we're working on it (laughs) the walls will be coming in in a few weeks and in a matter of a few days you're gonna see walls up and it's just gonna go wow look what happened so we're excited about that well welcome thanks for being with us this weekend if you have your Bible or a device let me tell you where to go go to the book of Ephesians I'm gonna start in chapter 6 I'll go to 5 I'll go to 4 I'll go to 2 so it's a real short chapter so you can follow me all along there I'm going to end up in Luke chapter 1. So if you want to find Ephesians and go there, that's where we're going to start. In this series, Destined to Worship, this is really part of the core values of our church. Our church started 16 years ago this month. And in that starting, in that beginning, we started serving. We started Servolution 16 years ago. And then we started realizing, hey, there's more to this. We need, we need some help. And we started seeking God, and God led us and directed us and had a man mentor me. And we started in developing how to worship God. So I want to revisit this with you uh, after, you know, 15 years have passed. I want you to see and hear how our core values are established. So in this series, I want to talk about what I think is the primary reason God created us, and that's to worship. We're created to worship. For all the things God has called us to do, there's one thing he's called us to do that's eternal, and that's worship. When, when you get to heaven, you're going to worship. And so we're going to worship eternally. So that's one thing. He, and he, he has called us to be worshipers. Now, we, we live in a tension-filled world, and, and it's amazing what we've seen happen in one life lifespan. Now, some of you don't remember horse and buggies, but, you know, Some of us do Uh, not me, but some of you Uh, horse and buggies to the cars, you know, to the airplanes, to the space shuttles, to the man on the moon. Like, wow. And then from the radio to the TV, you know, to the Internet, to computers, cell phones. I mean, it's just amazing. The changes in one theoretical lifetime have just been incredible. However, the deep issues of life, depression, frustration, anxieties the inflammation in relationships. None of those problems have been solved. And in fact, they seem to be worse. Here's why. This is what I believe. I believe we have lost contact with the source that renews us. We become Christians, we become born again, and God has a plan. He has a source to keep us renewed. And I think we've lost contact with that, and and I want to talk about it. So in this message, I'm going to show you four aspects of worship. Here's the first one. I want to show you the power in worship. The book of Romans says there's a place in God where we can reach where nothing can separate us from the love of God. The book of Romans declares there's a place in God where we're more than conquerors. And here's what that means to me. That means that we conquer and we have energy left over. The book of Romans declares there's a place where we can reach in God where things present nor things to come are absolutely no contrast to our faith and our ability to be overcomers. But how do you get to that place? How, how do you find that power? Well, I want to start in Ephesians 6 verse 13, and, and you know this one probably pretty well because Paul has just listed the armor of God. And then in verse 13, he says, therefore, he's listed it, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And then notice this phrase, and having done all to stand, and then the first two words of the next verse is, therefore stand. Having done all to stand, therefore stand. We, we can stand. Here, here's the ideal of that word stand. It means that I am standing, I have faced my enemy, and he has departed, and I'm standing knowing that when he comes back, I'll be victorious again. I want, I want you to capture that, that picture of stand. It means I'm standing. I didn't fall. I didn't waver. I didn't slip down. I stood. The enemy's departed. The Bible says he'll depart in seven ways. He's departed, but I'm standing, and I know when he comes again, I'll be victorious again. So Paul says, you know, you, you don't have to stand. You, you don't have to be unstable. You can, you, you you can stay on your feet. Now this is incredible. It is possible only if you've done everything necessary. I just pointed out in verse 13 where he says, having done all to stand. One translation says that having all that is necessary to stand. So what's necessary for me to stand? What's going to allow me to stand? Because the enemy is going to attack. He's going to come against you and your family, your finances, your health. That's what he's going to do. Here's what Paul says. Now in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 1, I'm going to show you the verse, and I'm going to paraphrase the verses, okay? So here's what Paul says. How you stand? He says, I want you to learn to walk worthy of the calling on your life. All of you have a calling. I want you to learn to walk worthy of it. In verse 17, Paul says, I don't want you to walk as Gentiles walk. I want you to walk in righteousness. I don't want you to walk like the rest of the people. I want you to walk in righteousness. In chapter 5, in verse 2, Paul says, hey, I want you to walk in love. I want you to walk in love. That's the way Christ is walking on the earth, walked on the earth. I want you to walk in love. In in verse 8 in chapter 5, Paul says, I want you to walk in light. You've been in the darkness, now you're in the light. I want you to walk in light. In verse 15, Paul says, I want you to see that you walk circumspectly. I'll come back to that word in a minute. I want you to walk circumspectly. So, the only way I'll be able to stand is when I've done everything necessary to stand, then... That means that I have learned to walk worthy, walk righteously, walk in love, walk in light, and walk circumspectly. When I learn to walk in those ways, the enemy comes, I'm able to stand. In other words, uh, that's the key to spiritual victory. That's how I win out spiritually. I've learned how to walk every day this way. Well, how do you learn to do this? How do you learn to walk circumspectly? How do you learn to walk righteously and in love and in light? Well, in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 4 Here's what Paul says. But God is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By by, by grace you've been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The phrase sitting together in heavenly places, the ideal behind that phrase is worship. The ideal of what we're doing right now. In our campuses and, 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 and uh, in the places where we come in and we come in to worship or sing songs, that's one act of worship, to receive the word, to give, all of these things, we've come in together to worship. And, and so it's not that we're just sitting in his church, we're sitting together in his presence, communing with him. Okay, you're communing whether you know it or not. You're receiving things from the Lord. So letting the presence of God come into our midst. Here's what we're doing when we gather. We're receiving energy or power for our inner man. What does that do for me? That allows me then to go out and walk in a different kind of way. I can walk these ways that Paul talks about when we've learned to appropriate the energy of worship in walking in new ways. When I meet the enemy, I'm able to stay on my feet. So I'm saying that spiritual victory is wrapped up in your worship relationship with God. When I don't stand, when I'm unstable, when I fail, when I fall over, it means I haven't learned to translate worship energy into my lifestyle. And the reason I don't have power, energy to walk in love, walk in light, walk circumspectly, is because I'm not spending enough time in his presence through a relationship called worship. Now, listen, I want to help you with this because th- this, this whole area of worship has been made a little confusing and sometimes even weird. And, and so I want you to understand the core value of how we see and interpret worship and how we've lived this out in our church. So I want you to see that when I don't stand, it's because I haven't learned to translate the worship energy through a worship experience with God so that's the power of worship here's my second point I want to talk about the priority of worship there's a priority that I need to have to go into worship and and Paul's already talked about it so let me run through them there's four of them here's the first priority I need to walk bearing his name if you're a believer you carry the name of God whatever your name is just put God at the end of it because you carry his name on this earth in this earth you carry his name and you wear to carry it with honor now, I, I don't know about you, and I may date myself, but my dad had a rule when I grew up. If you get a spanking at school, when you get home, you get another one. In, anybody feel the pain? Yeah. Did you understand it as a kid? I didn't understand it. I broke the rule at school. I got, you know, a whip in there with a board on my rear end. It's like, isn't that enough? No, when I get home, I get another one. I didn't understand that until years later. Here's what I understood. It's, here's what my dad is saying. You violated the sense of honor of my name. I I, I don't want you to break rules or or cheat or steal or any of those things. I don't want you to do that because you carry my name and I want you to carry it with honor. God says, I want you to carry my name in the earth with honor and with dignity. And and if I don't carry with honor the family name, I bring a reproach on God. That's the first priority of worship is a Christian carrying the family name with honor. Here's the second priority. It's to walk in righteous deeds. In other words... When I worship, there will be a definitive behavior change in my life because of worship. If you make contact with the living God, you know that we serve a living God. If you make contact with a living God, you will change, your behavior will change, and your walk will change. You cannot walk away from an encounter with God without having changed in the way you walk. So the second priority is to walk in, in, in righteous deeds. The third priority is to walk in love. Let me go back to that verse in Ephesians 5, 2. And we walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This is a powerful picture, and it reaches back to the Old Testament tabernacle and the Old Testament temple. The ideal here is that the lamb is placed on the brazen altar as a burnt offering. Now, the burnt offering is not a sin offering. The burnt offering represents total giving of oneself to the Lord. Jesus offered a sin offering, and he also offered a burnt offering. His burnt offering was he gave himself as an act of total love and commitment to his Father. So God says we're supposed to walk out of a commitment of total dedication to Christ. Work, here's what worship is worship is coming into the tabernacle remember the in, in the natural it's taken the lamb and put it on the brazen altar Worship is coming into the tabernacle and climbing on the altar by saying God. I give myself to you totally It's a new day. Thank you for this new day. Thank you for your mercies that are new and fresh every day But I give myself to you today. I live my life for you. My life is a sacrifice whatever you say and you want to do through this body, if you want to finish the work in me, I'm here. I'm there for that. So Paul says when you give yourself in total consecration, it's a priority. You're willing to give up the rest of your life to God. Something happens in your life. What happens? Here's what happens. He says it's like a sweet-smelling sacrifice. When the lamb begins to roast. Smell that? Anybody fasting? <laughs> smell Smell that lamb? Where's that coming from? I think this is how they got people to go to church in that day. It's coming from the tabernacle. I want to go to the tabernacle. I want to go see what's going on. It smells good. The automatic response of any normal human, notice the word normal, is when you smell roast beef or roast lamb, the savory glands begin to talk to you. You're hungry. Your appetite is stirred up. Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying when my appetite, my love for God is stirred up and I express it in gratitude and thanksgiving and loving on God, it causes people to have an appetite awakened in them that they didn't even know was there. And all of a sudden, they begin to have appetites that are drawn to the tabernacle. You know now we're the tabernacle. The Old Testament was just in the natural. This is, We're the tabernacle now. They're drawn to the tabernacle. Why? Because of the smell of my sacrificial love commitment to God. My love to God draws people to God. And Paul's saying the thing that draws people is not sour judgmentalism. And that's in a lot of people, a lot of churches. But that's not what draws people. He's saying the sweetness of love that draws people to Christ is when I make a sacrificial commitment, I live out of love, people are drawn to that, and they come to the tabernacle of God. So the priority is bear his name, the priority is righteous deeds, and love. walk in love. And here's the fourth one, it's walk in light, which means openness, uprightness. It means the character of God. Be a light tree in the earth. And from your branches what comes it comes the fruit of the spirit love joy peace long-suffering gentleness kindness and that type of fruit doesn't grow naturally in our climate on the earth that type unconditional love doesn't grow naturally in our hostile climate on the earth this is the fruit of heaven And this is what we produce. This is what just comes on the character and the nature of Christ. So how do we grow the fruit of heaven on earth? I'm glad you asked the question because it leads into my third point, is the purpose of passionate worship. Worship and the climate of worship is like this. And this is in us individually as a tabernacle now. It's like you're a spiritual greenhouse. So when we come in, to worship. When we come into the worship center at the campuses, we come into worship and you may come in with frustration, you may come in with anger, you may come in with hate, but when you begin to worship, you start you start being filled with love. And all of a sudden, everything in you is changed. Suddenly I'm motivated because you see when I love God, I can't love people with a God kind of love unless I love God. You can be kind and you can be cordial, but you will not love them with a God kind of love unless you have come into the presence of God to love God and worship God. Then he fills you with this love and now you can be patient and you can be kind and you can be gentle. And ladies, that's why when your husband leaves here on the weekends, it's, you know, they're different than when they got, when they drove here earlier because they've been in the presence of God. Can I get an amen from the ladies? That was weak. In that climate of a spiritual greenhouse, new sprouts, new buds begin to come forth from my life, and, and, and it starts changing. I wasn't like that. Worship changes me because I begin to look like Jesus Christ. And budding forth is the fruit of God's spirit, the light of his is coming out because I'm a greenhouse. What does that mean? That means the climate of heaven is duplicated in this tabernacle, the climate of heaven. So worship should be changing my character if worship isn't changing my character It may be that I am prostituting the presence of God rather than encountering the real presence of God I'm just going through the motions. I'm just faking it till I can make it I'm just going through the motions and I'm not touching God But when I touch God I begin to reproduce the life of Christ in me And then Paul says walk circumspectly Now, I'll tell you what that word means in a minute, but he says, walk circumspectly, and then he says in chapter 5, verse 18, he says this one, and some of you are going to love this, but hang on before you love it too much. Do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The word circumspectly in the Greek language is where we get our word acrobat, and here's what the word means. It's the ideal of walking in a balance, walking with balance, The picture is you're on the tightrope of life, but you're walking and you're not losing your balance. So Paul says, hey, don't, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says in the next verse, singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music unto the Lord in your hearts. So here's what Paul said. There's one thing that will cause you to lose your balance, drunkenness. But he's not talking about the fruit of the vine. That's not what he's talking about. He, he's, he's talking about the world that I live in. That the world that I, the, the one thing that will affect my balance is to become intoxicated by the wine of the world. You see, you, you have four enemies. Satan, and then there are, there are spirits in his cohorts, the spirit of fear, the spirit of this. You have that, and then you have your flesh that's an enemy to you, and then the world is an enemy to you. And, and, and so when you're intoxicated with that, it's fighting issue. But Paul says, hey, listen, interesting enough, there is another wine that will help you keep your balance. See, when you think of wine and keeping your balance, it's like, wait, there's one that will help me keep my balance? Yeah, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns. You, you already talk to yourself anyway. I, I've seen you riding down the road. You're just talking to yourself. There's no Bluetooth in your ear or anything. You're just talking to yourself. So why not talk psalms and hymns to yourself, okay? And then he says, you know, and, and sing songs and melodies in your heart. When you're constantly filled with the Holy Spirit day in and out, it helps you keep your balance so you can walk in love and light and righteousness and, and circumspectly. You can walk. And, 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 and listen, here's what I want as your pastor. I want you to come into a weekend experience. And when you leave here, I want you to say, well, God was here today. But I want you to understand that it's different every Sunday. If every Sunday is the same thing, that means man is making it and faking it and manipulating it. Why? Because God is different and God's going to touch through a different word and a different song. But the promise is that He says that when two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be there. And so when we come in here and God is here, that means someone is receiving a touch from God. God is touching their life. And so. You know, how how do I stay constantly filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I stay in that? You stay in that by that context of worship. That's how you stay there. It's the place where we encounter with a living God. That's the place we stay. We don't just come to worship for ourselves. But because someone here might not be able to worship effectively, but in the presence of God, they encounter God. We come into worship. And it's not by how I feel, but I've come in to worship my God because I have a heart of gratitude, an attitude attitude of, of gratitude, and I'm thankful, and I worship, and I love him. When I do, his presence comes. He comes in here, and somebody may be thinking, my life is over, I'm done. But when they sit in the presence of God, God touches them, and they think, wait a minute. I'm, I, my life does have future. God hasn't forgotten me. I have hope. I can sing again. See, we never know what God is doing with people through a certain word or a certain song or a certain time in the service. We just know that God, when his presence is here, see, his presence is here now because of his word, because of his promises, because we've worshiped, he's here. And, 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 and what, what I want you to see that is when we walk with a balance, it means we come to worship not just for ourselves, but for others, and that's what keeps it balanced. I, I, listen, I, I grew up in being unbalanced in this area in church because worship was all about us and inward and focused. It wasn't about us, others. So, so you see, here, here's the difference of being balanced, is that I'm worshiping. And, and, and my worship is helping to, for the presence of God to come, but it, it, it may help me today. It may help me next month. It may help me then. I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm receiving and I'm worshiping God, but he's there because of the worship and somebody who's in a hard place is touched by the presence of God. Someone going through difficulties is touched by the presence of God, and, and listen. And people a lot of times they don't know that they leave and they think, "I, I don't know, I, I love this man. This was good. I've never felt like this before. I've never experienced it." They have no idea all the biblical terms. I love people who don't know biblical terms. You know, they they just they just, just talk in plain layman terms. You know, just I, I don't know. It was just great. You know, uh, you know, and and, and and see that means you're walking in a balance because people in our community need to be loved. They need to feel His presence so we've come to worship for them as well as for us do you know that the church is called to do three things the church is called to worship and evangelize and make disciples now let me show you what that looks like when we come in and worship it's out of your worship that you evangelize the most effect here's what evangelize means it means giving away the love of god now, you can go knock on a door. You can go witness hangout tracks and all that good stuff. That's wonderful. But the most effective way to evangelize is to give away God's love. Well, what's, what, what, what's, what does that mean? That means when we come in here and someone comes in to join us who is not a believer and we worship, we're giving away God's love. His presence comes. His love goes out. And here's what you have from that. You have people making decisions to become Christians. They're, they're new lambs. They're born again. They're babies. They're little lambs. Well, what do you have to do with little lambs? Well, you've got to raise them up. How do you raise lambs? You have freedom classes. You have equipped classes. You teach them the word. Freedom classes will begin uh, tomorrow evening, and, and the equipped classes will begin this month. So yeah, you're teaching and you're training. How do you know that a baby is raised in Christ? How do you know then? Because then they become a worshiper. And guess what they do? This brand new baby in Christ who has been trained, they begin to worship God. What are they doing? They're sharing the love of God. Guess what? Somebody around them, somebody they know, someone of influence, they're going to feel the love of God. They're going to be attracted. They're going to come to Christ. And the cycle goes on and on and on. If we're not reaching people, we need to examine our worship. If we're not equipping people and sending them to, to minister to other people, then we're not appropriating the power and the energy of worship the way God wants us to. Here's what I want to say. We're destined to worship. God has called us to worship. And when you worship, powerful things happen. And I, I, I want to clear it up because I, I want us to have pure, balanced worship. But when you worship, powerful things happen. Let me show you this. Luke chapter 1, verse 8. It's the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. They're the mom and dad of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth is barren. She can't have children. And, and uh, Zacharias, his, 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 it's his time to go into the temple and, and, and worship. And, and so here's what it says in verse 8. So it was that while he was serving Zacharias as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were, was praying outside in the hour of incense. So here's what he's doing. He's burning incense before the Lord. That's a type of communion, and it's a type of worship. This is Zacharias. This is the father of John the Baptist. Incense is made of a number of spices, and they are very sweet and aromatic. So incense is a type of our worship. As I worship God, as I love God, as I thank God, my life becomes to God, watch, aromatic. My life becomes sweet. It has this perfume, smell. And, and God can smell my thanks and my praise. I mean, he, he sits on his throne. Where's that coming from? Oh, that's coming from Bay Community. Oh, wow, they smell sweet today. And here's what it does. It draws him to us. He's drawn to us. He comes to us because of my thanksgiving and my love and my appreciation. So here's Zacharias. He's offering incense, and suddenly an angel appears. And the angel said, don't be afraid because your wife is going to have a son. He's going to be a witness, and the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon him, and he's going to be baptized from his mother's womb, and he's going to come in the spirit of Elijah, and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah. Now, here's what's incredible about this. Listen. There has been 400 years of biblical silence. God has not spoken for 400 years. And as Zacharias begins to worship and the people begin to pray, notice when they begin to work, he begins to worship the sweet smelling aroma and the people begin to pray. What did God do? God broke his silence. God sent an angel. God spoke his will. God said, Elizabeth, you're barren. You're going to become pregnant with life from me. She went from barrenness to fruitfulness. And then God said, and and by the way, prepare because Jesus is going to appear in your midst. When we worship, powerful things happen in our lives. When we worship, he will break his silence and speak to you. When we worship, he will release his angel for protection. When we worship, he will come with his word and his will. When we worship, he moves us from barrenness to fruitfulness. When we worship, there's the guarantee that Jesus is in our midst. So listen, worship is a powerful tool that we have. We're destined to worship, and God wants to be right in the midst of our life, and that's how he gets there. Are y'all breathing? So my question is, is he Lord? Or is he just one of those things that you just fit into your life? See, you can come to church, go through the motions, but if he's not the most worthful thing in your life, then your priorities are wrong, your passion to worship lessens, and then the dynamics of worship lose its power in your life. So we need to make sure he's worth more to us than anything else. Is he Lord? Is he worth more to you than anything else? Let let me show you the pattern of lifestyle worship in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, Moses had a tabernacle. It's a tent, and it's not very large. It's just, you know, but it's portable. You set it up and you take it down. And and, and God's presence would be there. The Ark of the Covenant was there. And the presence of God was there. So here's what would happen when they would go. they, They were following the cloud of the Lord by day and the fire by night. And the cloud and the fire represents the presence of God. So they would set up this tent. Well, there are 12 tribes of Israelites. There are millions of Jews. There's 12 tribes. So the tribes, what they would do is when the tent is set up, the tabernacle of worship, then three tribes would be to the north, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, and three tribes to the west. So if you wanted to know your place to camp, you had to wait until the tabernacle was set up. Then you knew where your tribe was, and you knew where your place was in the tribal community. But if the cloud moved, if the presence of God moved, you had to pack up your bags, fold up your tent, and you had to move with the cloud. When the cloud stopped, you had to stop, but you couldn't set up camp until the worship, the worship tabernacle was set up. This is a worship model in our lives. This is the model he destines for our lives. But here's what we tend to do. All of us have done this. We take our tent and we take our stuff and we move over here. And then we say, hey God, can you come over here? Or we pack up all of our stuff and we've got a plan and then we say, oh by the way God, can you go with us? But you see, worship is the reverse. Worship is going to God and saying God, where are you going? Because that's where I want to go. God, what do you have planned? Because that's what I want to be part of. God, what do you have planned for my life? Because I don't want to miss this. And listen, if you operate with God from the standpoint of saying, okay, I'm going to do all of this and I'm going to start this business and I didn't pray and I'm going to move into this marriage and I didn't pray and I'm going to do all this, you're treating God as if he's a lucky charm. And you would be surprised how many people see God as a lucky charm. Because if I've got this lucky charm, then everything will be okay. But I'm going to move this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to do this. See, God is not Lord in that scenario. He's not Lord. He wants to be Lord. So I need to know, God, I I need to know my place. How do I find my place? You find your place after you develop your relationship. (laughs) Oh, man, that's good. When, When you develop your relationship with God... He will show you the place to walk, to live, to marry, the job, to promote. But you see, we get it backwards, and that's not what he wants. He wants to be Lord of our lives. He wants us to worship. So we've looked at the power in worship. we looked at the priority of worship and the purpose of worship. Here's the last one, and I'm finished. You ready? It's the pleasure of worship, the pleasure in worship. Now, many of us, in fact, I would say the majority of us today, listening to me, watching me right now, you, you grew up in church. And you already know that we are supposed to know God. But many of us don't know we're supposed to enjoy God. Because we have a negative image of God. And He's on the throne. And every time you messed up, He reached over and took His heavenly fly swatter and he waited for you to get right in the middle of your mistake and pow he'd pop you and put you back in place and you lived your whole life thinking that that's how god works let me tell you that's not the god that we serve that's not the god we worship our god is a god of love and mercy and grace and laughter that's not god he doesn't enjoy our self-disciplines He doesn't. God is a God of love and music and celebration and joy. And so in our world that we live in, watch, with restlessness and fear and depression, and, and, and there are hurting and bruised people, and depression is rampant, but worshipers transport the joy of heaven to the earth. See, this is why God did this, because the atmosphere of heaven is joy and peace and love. How does it get here? When we worship, He's drawn to that. When he's drawn to that, he brings his presence, and in his presence is love and joy and peace. And then it just saturates, and it becomes part of our world. So as a believer, if you're a believer, you can sing, or you can offer prayers, or you can have communion with the Lord, and then celebrate who God is. What happens when you celebrate? Somehow, our worship is tapping into heaven And it's finding the dominion of love and joy and peace, and then it's appropriating it to the world that we live in. It brings the joy into my house. It brings the peace into my marriage. It brings the the love of God to my kids. It just comes in. I don't know how it works, but worship, here's worship. Worship is the discipline of praise and thanksgiving. You remember when you taught your kids to say thank you? Remember how hard that was to get them to say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You want your child to be thankful. You want to teach them. It's not just manners. It's just, you want them to have a thankful heart. The discipline of worship is to have a constant attitude of praise and thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for the world I live in. Thank you, Lord, that I'm alive. Thank you, Lord, that I have a house. I have a car. Thank you for my wife, my husband. Thank you for my kids, my grandkids. Thank you. Thank you. And we just have a thankful heart. And listen, worship is not based on how I feel. A lot of times I don't feel like worship. A lot of times, I don't feel like a Christian. Oh, pastor, you said that. (laughs) I can't trust my feelings. I have to trust my faith in God. I can't worship by my feelings. Because if you did, there may be one day a week where you feel, woo-hoo, I feel good. Okay, I'm going to worship God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the rest of the days, you feel like a bum. And you're mad and you're angry. God's mad. He's got the flash water out, so we don't Worship. Worship. Watch, worship is giving the gift of my presence and gratitude no matter how I feel. I got to close with this. I got to go. I'm out of time. The psalmist said in Psalms 42 and 7, look look at this verse. I've heard this verse so many times, and I've heard people speak and teach on it. "Deep Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. The King James says water spouts. So deep calls unto the deep at the noise of your waterfalls. Here, here's what I think about this verse. This verse is about the moon and the tide. I believe the psalmist is writing about the moon and the tide. Now, we, we, we live on the bay. We, we live near the, the coast. And so we know about the highness and the lowness of the tide. And we know it has to do with the lunar orbit around the earth. But how is it that that moon somehow reaches down in its power, And causes formless water to stand up and rest you've driven across the Bayway and the tide is out where'd all that water go and then whatever waters there you notice it's just like it's not even moving is it even real there's no movement it's like it's resting here's what the psalmist is saying it's just as if the moon is out in space and God you're out there too but somehow there's a link between the moon and the tide Somehow there's something deep inside of me. And when something deep inside of me touches something deep inside of you, God, somehow I find myself rising up to you and resting. See, the pleasure of worship is, I can take him all my toil, all my struggles, all my anxiety, and and when something inside of me rises up and I touch something deep inside of him, all of a sudden I've got peace. I've got a rest. I don't understand it. It's when the deep of God touches the deep of you that the worship is all about. It's something I can't express in words. I just know when it happens. Because when you're weak as water and the deep in you touches the deep in God, you find yourself rising up with new strength. I don't know about you, but I need new strength just about every day. I need new strength every day. So this worship, It's not mechanical, and this worship is not just a form. This worship brings rest to us, and I need rest so I can rise up. Now, when I'm weak, you you know, you've been there. When you're weak, and you, man, you, you cried out from the deep part of you unto the Lord, and guess what? He responded from the deep in him, and he touched me. I can't understand it, but all of a sudden, All hell's breaking loose around me. All of a sudden there's peace. All of a sudden, there's there's hope. All of a sudden things inside of me begin to change. I don't understand it. All I know is I want to live that way and not the other way. I want to live that way. I don't want to try to live and carry all this anxiety and fear and outsmart it and outdo it. I don't want to go move my tent over here and move over there. I want to him to be Lord of my life, but I want his presence to rise up in me so that I can sense his peace. I can sense that, hey, he's got this. I don't know how he's gonna do it, but he's got it. We're destined to worship because we need to know God and we need to enjoy him. How many believers don't enjoy God? I mean, you just got the, you know, you got the badge. I'm a Christian, but you don't enjoy God. You don't enjoy worship. I go through the, if I don't go to church, I'll feel bad. If I don't take my kids, I'm gonna feel bad. Well, that's not the motive. The motive should be, I'm going to worship because I love God. And when I love God, he's so designed when I worship him, that the love of God is just going to flow out of me. If there's somebody there going through something, they can't worship, they're distracted, that love is just going to fall over and touch them and minister to them. And then during the week, driving in the car, during the week, working in the yard, during the week, coming home from work, I can just have an attitude of gratitude. Thank you for another day. Thank you for my family. Thank you for life. Thank you for my job. Thank you for this and this. And I'm just living in a state of worship. And everything in my life that I need flows through worship. It just flows through worship. You guys okay? You Sure? You breathing? I want to pray for you. But here's what I want to ask you. There may be some of you who don't know the Lord. There may be some of you that He's not Lord of your life. And what, what I want you to do is, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want all of you to pray this prayer with me. L- listen, li- life's too short to try to do it without the Lord. Life's too short to try to to, to to try to forge your way through without the presence of God. So if if you don't know Him, if if, if you, you can't picture Him as Lord and and, and relationally, and you're submitted there, and, and there's that burnt offering, you, you, I can't do that yet. I wanna pray for you. I don't want us to all to pray that prayer now. Jesus, thank you for loving me. I want you to be Lord of my life. I'm tired of trying to do it by myself. You are my savior and I let you become my Lord. I put myself on the brazen altar, and I give everything to you, and I thank you that I can enjoy your presence, that I can enjoy my Savior through the act of worship. I bless your name. Amen. God bless you.